today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. chapter of the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn there. In the opening verses, Paul is thanking the Lord for the great faith that's been exhibited by the believers in Rome. Uh, It's a faith that's been spoken of throughout the whole Roman world, and he expresses a desire to come and see them. If you can see there in verse 11, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he said, I long to see you. Now, this is a, a strange thing because Paul didn't know any of these people. He did not establish this church, but yet he has a longing, he has a desire uh, to go and see them. That's a supernatural desire. I believe it's a desire that God placed in his heart, and he prays to the Lord about it. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Mark 11, verse 24, he said, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And now, people have taken this verse of Scripture way outside the way from what I believe the Lord intended we got people praying and asking the Lord for prosperity, uh, boats, campers, uh, big houses, and the list goes on and on. Praying and asking the Lord for things that's really going to do them more harm than it is good. And we have a lot of desires, but the desire that the Lord was talking about, he said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He's talking about a godly desire. He's talking about a desire that God has placed within the heart of the individual. And when the Lord gives us a desire um, for something, we're, we're not to just jump off out here and start doing things. That's not what it's intended. When the Lord gives us a desire for something, that desire is to draw us closer to him. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And, and think about that. Without me, you can do nothing. It's good to have a godly desire to do something for the Lord. But understand, we within our own selves, our own strength, ability, talent, uh, it's not going to come out to be as effective as it should be. Uh, So we should seek the Lord about these things and ask the Lord's leading and and, and guidance for that. 
We need to understand something, too. Everything begins in the spirit world. Uh, Just a few months ago, we just got through with our study in the book of Revelation. And we can see over and over again where there are things happening in the spirit world. And then a short time later, things will happen, will manifest itself here on earth. And that's the way uh, it works with the child of God. When the Lord gives us a desire for something, we're to pray about that thing and seek the Lord's leading and guidance. And when we pray about it, that kind of gets the ball rolling, so to speak. And the Lord will open up doors and he'll provide whatever is necessary in order to get that job done, whatever that job and desire may be. Now, Paul's been praying, if you'll look there in verse 10 of Romans chapter 1, he's been praying for a prosperous journey. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying and asking the Lord uh, to prosper us, but what's the reason and the purpose behind it? Are we asking the Lord to prosper us for the upbuilding of our kingdom, or is it for the upbuilding of his kingdom? There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord to bless the church or bless the denomination. But if we're not careful, that's what we're praying for. We're praying for the upbuilding of our church or the upbuilding of our denomination more so than we are the upbuilding of God's kingdom. So we have to be um, careful with that. Paul's request for a prosperous journey was according to the will of God. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And whenever we're, we're praying, that's the way it ought to be. Lord, I ask for your blessings on this thing, uh, but you, you take control, you take charge, you, you do the leading and guiding. And if there's something here we don't need to be doing, Lord, you step in and, and intervene and stop it. And I don't know how many times... Uh, the Lord has stepped in as far as my own personal life. I was planning on going one direction, and the Lord stopped it because that was not in my best interest. I thought it was, but the Lord had other plans. And uh, so we just look at that as being God's will, and we move on. Uh, Paul's been praying for an opportunity to go to him and preach the gospel. And that's the spiritual gift that he's referring to in verse 11. Uh, Romans 1 verse 11, he said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Now, the preaching and the teaching of the word of God is the only thing that can really establish one in the faith. That is God's way. It's through the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. And what a gift it was uh, for Paul to come and preach to people. You have to understand something. There was two major problems in the church of that day. Bibles consisted only of the Old Testament. That's all they had. And they were not easy to come by. Each one had to be copied by hand, which was very time-consuming, and you can imagine it was quite expensive in order to have a Bible. That's the first problem. The second problem, 
the New Testament at that time was being given to Paul. Paul was, was writing the New Testament at this particular time. And he had only written a few of, of his uh, epistles uh, by this time. So that was a problem then. So you can see how great a gift it was if Paul could have went to Rome and actually preached to these people um, how beneficial to them that it would have been. He said in verse 12, That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. He said that I may be comforted together with you. Not only was Paul wanting to go and preach to these people and build their faith, but by going there, their faith would uplift him and uplift his faith. Uh, There would be a mutual strengthening of faith, uh, if you will. And that's the way it ought to be. When we come together as believers, I get strength from you, uh, you get strength from me, we get strength from one another. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Um, How many of you have got a, a charcoal grill at home? You put the charcoal in there and, and you light it and them coals get red hot. Get you a pair of tongs sometime and take one piece of coal and set it over here to the side away from the rest and see what happens to it. After a while, it's going to go out. But if you take that piece of coal and you put it back over there where the pile is at, after a while it'll catch on. The heat from the other coals will will heat it up. And that's the way it is with us. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to comfort one another or strengthen uh, one another when we come together. We shouldn't be putting one another down talking about one another, gossiping, that sort of thing, that we should be uplifting one another and and trying to help one another um, the best that we can. He said that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. And I want you to take a look at that particular phrase there, the mutual faith. The faith that Paul is talking about is faith in Christ. And what Christ did at the cross. That is the only faith that God will recognize for salvation. There's over a hundred different denominations in Christianity today. Now, I want you to think about that. There's over a hundred different denominations in Christianity. But the undergirding foundation of all of them. Each one of these believe different things. But the undergirding foundation of all these denominations is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We may not agree on water baptism. We may not agree on sprinkling. We may not agree in speaking in other tongues. We may not agree as who the Antichrist is going to be or when Jesus is coming back. But there's one thing that all of us agree in Christianity and that there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved, and that is at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the mutual faith that we all have. Now, I can't side up 
with people that don't believe that. I don't know how in the world a church can side up with a bunch of Muslims and, and find common ground. There is no common ground. Now, if they believe the way I do, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he came into this world and died for our sins, and that's the only way to be saved, and we've got uh, a mutual faith there, and uh, we've got some common ground, I might be able to have fellowship with them. But outside of that, uh, there is no fellowship. Verse 13, he said, Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. The word let is an old English word that simply means to hinder. Now, when we think of a hindrance, we normally think of something that's negative, or we think of something bad. But I think sometimes... God interrupts the natural course of things. And God allows a hindrance into our lives. And when God does that, it's in our best interest. And it could be the best thing that ever happened to us. I think God allows hindrances at times. We have a desire to do things. And we don't exactly have the the full scope of what all the Lord wants us to do. And we set out to do things, and the Lord has to hinder us. He has to slow us down. Why? Well, maybe there are some things we still need to learn. And maybe the time's not right. Each situation is is different. But I think that's a miracle when God steps in and he hinders us from doing things. Well, didn't... Paul have a desire to go to these Romans? Wasn't it God's will for him to go to Rome and preach to these people? Yes, I believe it was. But I think God had something more important in mind. Well, what in the world could be more important than preaching the gospel and helping them folks out in Rome? Well, think about this for just a minute. Had Paul took off and gone to Rome when he desired to do so, and he had attempted to do this several times, but something hindered him from going. If Paul had have gone down there to that church and preached to those people, would we have the book of Romans today? I want you to think about that for just a minute. The whole reason Paul wrote the book of Romans was because he was hindered from going down there to preach the gospel. Yes, he had a desire. It was a godly desire. And it was God's will for him to go down there. It just won't his time. God had something else in mind. You think about the millions of people that have been blessed down through the many centuries because of the book of Romans. What we're looking at here is the theology of the church. I mean... If Paul had made it to Rome in his time and how he wanted to, we probably wouldn't have the book of Romans today. But God stepped in, and he interrupted the natural course of things. He allowed a hindrance to slow Paul down so that we'd have the book of Romans today. 
All right, let's take a look at verse 14. Uh, Before we go to verse 14, let's look at the latter part of verse 13. He said, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. The fruit that he's talking about there is them growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and developing fruit of the Spirit, uh, which will ultimately uh, lead to other people getting saved. And uh, he mentions the word Gentiles even as among other Gentiles. So that tells us right there that most of the people there in the Roman church were Gentiles. Verse 14, he said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. The Lord has done so much for us. He paid an awful price for our redemption. There's no way that you and I can ever pay him back for what he's done for us. We're forever indebted to him. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. Paul felt that it was his obligation that the only way that he could pay the Lord back, and like I said, there's no way that we could ever pay the Lord back, but I guess Paul was showing his gratitude to the Lord. He felt like the thing that he should do was to preach the gospel to all people to the Greeks, the barbarians, and and, and everybody. And I think that can be said of all of us. Paul was going to do his best to do what he could to get the gospel to others. And you and I should feel the same way. Uh, The Lord's done so much for us, uh, we should desire to get the gospel to others, do the best we can. If we can't preach, we uh, we should support those who do and do what we can to get the gospel out. He said, so much is in me, verse 15, so much is in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I want you to notice there in verse 15, he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. That is God's way. Go to... 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it is believed that Paul was in the city of Corinth at the time he wrote the book of Romans. Uh, There were some problems there in the church at Corinth. There were people who were placing emphasis on baptism. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Notice the terminology. But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching, again, notice the terminology. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Um, Look down at verse 21. 
1 Corinthians 1 verse 21, latter half of that verse says, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is God's way. God has a message and he has a way for that message to be delivered. Believe me, that is the best way. Now, we've got new church growth movements today that say that preaching is outdated, that uh, it's too old-fashioned, uh, they've got good movies and stuff now, we should have church and show little clips of, of movies and and make a few little short comments on those, and you know, God has, has changed His way of doing things. No, He has not. It's through and by the preaching of God's Word. Paul said, I'm ready to preach. And uh, I, know, I know what he's talking about. It's like a fire in my bones. Somebody told me, said, Brother James, if you can be happy doing something else, uh, do it. But if you can't, then you know you're called to preach. And Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you uh, there in Rome. Look at verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, why in the world would anybody be ashamed of the gospel? Well, let's take a look at what we believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ is who he is and what he did. First of all, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as such, he is God. He became a man born of the Virgin Mary. Most people in the world out here believe that as a fairy tale, as believing that it actually happened if you nailed them to the wall, they don't believe it. Even some preachers today have a problem believing in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned one time in word, thought, or deed. That's also hard for people to believe. He died on a cross to save us. Now, to the natural mind of man, that's hard to comprehend and understand. That's something, as the Bible says, has to be spiritually discerned. You think about it. How in the world can a Jewish man uh, dying on a cross save the world? It don't make any sense. And especially when he lived over 2,000 years ago. What good is that going to do me today? At least that's the thinking of most people today. On top of that, we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead three days after he was crucified. The world 
looks at you like you're crazy. They don't, they don't believe it. If that ain't enough, the gospel says that there's none that doeth good. Most people think of themselves as being good. It's my environment that's bad. The reason I steal is because I can't get a job. My environment makes me do things. I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. Well, I do some bad things. Well, at least it ain't as bad as what they did. I ain't as bad as some people. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Haven, if you will, go to Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Being called a bad person offends people, and that's pretty much what you're saying. The whole world has been condemned as a bad person. And like I said, that offends people. They don't believe that they're actually that bad. You mean to tell me that I'm so bad that God had to become a man and come down here and die for me? That's pretty bad. The other problem that we have with the gospel, anyone who believes in it can be saved. A rapist that has gone out here and has molested little children. Or you can murder someone in cold blood. But as long as you believe this right here, you can go to heaven. A lot of people have a problem with that. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of Christian people have a problem with that. But the Bible says, if we believe that, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's hard for us to comprehend that, to understand that. But folks, that's what we believe. And like the Apostle Paul said, I ain't ashamed of it. I know what this gospel can do. I know what it's done in my life. I know what it continues to do. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to everyone that believeth. Makes no difference what you've done. If you believe it, God will save you. He'll change you. You see, the moment I got saved, I felt something. And I ain't been the same since. And what that was, was the power of God. The moment I put my faith, I didn't understand it all. And thank God, God doesn't require us to understand it all. He just simply requires of us to believe it. And that's all we have to believe. It's foolishness to a lot of people. But when you believe it, the Holy Spirit comes inside. He changes you on the inside. That's the power of regeneration that takes place within our hearts and lives. And, you know, 
as we continue every day uh, to exhibit faith in the finished work of Christ, the Holy Spirit continues to clean us up and to make us into what we ought to be. Because, you know, I got news for you. Just because you got saved 20 years ago or 50 years ago or, or two years ago, the Lord saved you. There was a change, but there's still some changing that needs to take place. As a Christian, you should be changing. You ain't all that. You need to look at the person beside you and say, hey, there's something wrong with you. You know, people are constantly saying, you know, I ain't going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. You know, there ain't none of them right. They're exactly right in what they're saying. You know, I look at the church as being a spiritual hospital. All of us are spiritually sick. And we come here to hear the word and to gain strength from one another and uh, to get better. And that's, that's what the church is all about. So there ain't none of us here perfect. But we're striving, we're pressing toward that mark. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.